In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. And welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Erin. And I'm Amy. And this is a special Broads and Books bonus episode. Today on the Broads Talk Books with, we've got journalist and author Liz Lenz. I recommended her book Godland in episode 78. Plus, she writes an email series called Men Yell at Me, which title's terrific. Beyond that, terrific. So terrific. Yes. And Iowa native. Gotta love that. Absolutely. We got Liz on Zoom, and she told us about her favorite books, past and present, Ethical escapism. Mm-hmm. Copyright. Yeah, copyright. Which we're copyrighting, Love that yeah. phrase. And even a cocktail plus show combo, which I love. Yeah. We put all the books Liz mentions in the show notes so you can add them all to your to-be-read pile. And now here's our interview with Liz Lenz. I'm picturing like a family photo with like the big, big dog and then the tiny dog and the cat. So, I mean, the cat's not going to fuck around with a photo, but the, yes, I mean, my, my Malamute is probably going to be over a hundred pounds, probably over 130 pounds. And my little dog, who is a Dachshund Maltese mix, like she's like six pounds and that's probably as big as she's going to get. So I was like, it's hilarious to me. Yeah. I think it's really funny. I've been mm-hmm. alone too long. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have um, a couple really big cats and then a kitten. And the kitten oh. keeps trying to ride one of the big cats. And so I'm picturing your little dog, like, trying to ride the big dog. So my mom sent me uh, a link to, like a, like, a backpack for big dogs that I can put my little dog inside oh. of soon. 
<laughs> she was like, look at this thing. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And you then I was like, oh, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to go on like a hike, you know, and then shove my little dog in a little carrier. and get an Instagram influencer with that shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, I wanted to show Aaron and I have both have these mugs. Oh. Dolly action. It's Dolly's birthday. It is. Oh it's God. her 75th birthday. Yes, oh, today. Yeah. Yes, of course she's a Capricorn. And yeah, and that's who I named my dog after, my new dog, Dolly the Malamute. Perfect. It's perfect, yeah. Tiny little Jolene on the back. That's great. Uh, yes. <laughs> I know. Jolene keeps stealing shit from Dolly, which is just perfect. That sounds about right. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So thinking about uh, some of your favorite books and books that have influenced yes. you over time, thinking about you as a kid and a teen, do you remember mm. a particular favorite book or a couple favorite books? So, yeah. So I was a huge reader as a kid and I was, um, I was homeschooled, which is so interesting because, you know, I grew up being like, I'm never going to homeschool my kids. And then the pandemic hit. And then all of a sudden my children have like at least one part of a year of their life where they had to like experience what it was like for me as a kid a little bit, or just like go outside play it by yourself, um, <laughs> which was like how my mom homeschooled us. So I'm one of eight kids. And so I, you know, I was in so many ways, I was lucky enough to just be left to my own devices and read and just read books. And I will say, um, you know, Emily of New Moon, of course, I think was very, very instrumental in defining my sense of self. You know, like I, um, because it's about a girl who just dreams of stories and uh, feels kind of lost and alone. And I think, you know, being, being a child is weirdly a very isolating experience. You know, obviously I wasn't alone. I had seven brothers and sisters. Well, one of the things that we've talked about a lot on the podcast or we've had listeners mention to us is like they might have hit a roadblock in their reading life, particularly with things that were labeled as classics that mm. they were either assigned to read or felt like they had to read. Do you remember a classic that you struggled with? You know, so because I was homeschooled, I didn't have that school experience. So I was really uh, able to be freed up in so many ways to just experience books on my own in my own terms. But I do. So I was homeschooled until high school. And I do remember the first time I struggled with a book like being so 16 and the book was uncle tom's cabin and you know it's it's quote unquote this well it was being sold to me as a great work of literature and i'm reading it and i'm like this is like i was like this is not only poorly written also talk about propaganda Mm -hmm. but like i mean but you know but like for for white white saviorism is i want to be clear what kind of propaganda like i'm very pro ending slavery but like also it was like very you know like white saviorist propaganda 
And I, I remember reading and being like, God, this book actually sucks. And it was the first time like I read a book with spark notes to get me through. And I felt like such a cheater, you know, cause I'm like a super nerd 16 year old. And I'm like, Oh my God, I had to have help reading this book. And I was like, nobody read it. You're the only one who read it. And then I was an English lit major in college. And I remember like talking about this book with one of my professors and her just being like, Oh yeah, that book's so unreadable and such garbage. And I was like, it was the first time I'd ever really heard anybody like trash a classic and it was freeing as hell. What, um, either as a younger kid or in college, were there, uh, authors or books that made you want to be a writer? Yes. Um, so I mentioned I was an English literature major. My minor was in uh, Russian history and language. And it was one of the best decisions I ever did. And he taught this Eastern European literature class where he had us read Milan Kundera. Mm-hmm. And he had us read um, Unbearable Lightness of Being. And I, I, I know people feel very complicated about the way he portrays women. And everything but I can tell you reading that book and I still reread it uh once a year um every year um I pick that book up and read it I have three copies of the book one is marked up so much the other I got uh because I couldn't find my first copy (laughs) (laughs) and so it's like my backup copy if I can't find my first copy and then I have a third copy that circulates between me and my two um and my three best college friends and we pass it um between each other um because we all kind of read it at the same time and it was that time when we all became friends and we are lifelong friends you for the longest time I wanted to write like Kundera um which is always a mistake don't try to write like your heroes um and you know I have a lot of like short stories I wrote in college um where they're just basically unbearable lightness of being knockoffs but I I think it was one of the first times I experienced writing uh reading a book that functioned as fiction and nonfiction, does that make sense? Where it really kind of walked, it's essayistic fiction. And I think the way that I write is, um, is essayistic journalism, which is so obnoxious to like define yourself as a writer. So I apologize, but I do think a lot about Kundera and, um, and the way that he writes and it is a huge influence in the way that I think and write. Yeah. Thinking a little bit more recent now, mm-hmm. um, how many books would you say are on your to be read pile <laughs> and are there any that you can share? Yeah, so I every year around um, kind of the holidays and the beginning of January, I pick a classic or two classic or two that I haven't read, and uh, I read them. And um, so I just got through The Good Soldier, which I'd never read before, and just found it profoundly interesting. Um, and then I reread The Scarlet Letter, which I'd read in high school, and I did not find it as interesting the second time around. I was like, yeah, 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 she's a fallen woman. Like, who cares? You know what I mean? Like, give us something else. Um, he deserves someone better. But um, And I just read What You're Going Through by Sigrid Nunez, um, which was incredible. 
novel. Um, again, essayistic fiction, love that. Um, I also have the book, um, The Autobiography of Carson McCullers, queued up, ready to go um, on my list. And uh, I'm trying to think, my list, you know, I kind of have like, just stacks and stacks of books, like I think any avid reader. And then, um, but if something will strike my fancy, then I'll, um, you know, I'll circle back or go get a new book. Or if I'm really struggling to get it, because it's pandemic, you know, people are having a really hard time. I'm having a really hard time having my interest held by books. Um, yeah. And I, and I also, um, for I'm I'm working on a, another book proposal, so I'm doing a lot of reading for that. Um, and so I've I've reread and read and reread Nora Ephron's Heartbreak, um, and probably will read it again just because it's such a short, furious little book that acts like a punch. And every time I read it, I find something new um, that delights. It's just delightful and funny and real. But I really want to reread Dostoevsky's *The Idiot*, um, and I hope to read that very soon. Um, I because I read it in in college. It, there, I remember um, my professor saying something about like you know if you read any writer enough, you understand the problem they're trying to sort out. Mm. And I think especially in uh, this time in American history, I've found it really interesting to read and reread those um, those Eastern European books. But I'm also reading new books. Like I'm really excited. My friend Rachel Yoder's Night Bitch is coming out this year. I'm yeah. so excited for that book. So of yeah. the books that you um, have read either recently or in the, the last year, maybe during the pandemic, any particular mm. book that you think really surprised you? What book surprised you? know, I read a lot of ton of French. I um, just because I, I mean, I love a good. Who doesn't love a good mystery? It's fine if you don't love a good mystery. Oh, no, um, I love her. Love her. Yeah. Yes, yes, and I just found them so easy to escape into, you know, mm -hmm. without feeling like I was running away from something. Does that make sense? Like, mm -hmm. you know. Um, it felt like ethical escapism, <laughs> which is probably just bullshit. Like I'm just saying it to myself to make myself feel bad. Can but, we use that term? Just yes, forward yes. Yeah. Go for ethical it. Escapism I, is terrific. Yeah, and you know, I think we want a world that uh, you know, or I want. I don't care if the people in it are good or bad or somehow in in between. I want writing that pulls me in um and and if you know and if for some reason a book is unable to do that because of my own mindset you know it's not always it's not the writer um sometimes it's just me or or because of everything that's going on then I just really don't want to be there so um ton of French in, in reading all of her books, this, not all of her books, I think I read four of them, were what kind of kept me reading. And then I read The Good Indian, oh, uh, which I, I just picked up. I just picked it up after the ton of French books because I saw it at my bookstore and I remembered, I was like, oh, I've seen people talking about that. And I sat down to read it and I could not put it down. Ooh, it, it, it's in my next library hall, I think. It's, yeah. I, I didn't 
I, I don't know what I expected. I just picked it up and and it's it's a horror novel. It's but it's just mm. is it is it okay to say it's beautiful and upsetting wow. and wild and and um it, it's it's so great. I think that book totally took me by surprise. Um I also say the good soldier, you know, when I do the read, reread a classic experiment, what it teaches me is that often the books we think of as like super old and boring really aren't. Like they're they're like ferociously written and um I, re- I remember reading Lady Chatterley's Lover two years ago and being like, it's full of dick jokes. Like, I would have read it sooner if somebody had told me it's basically just like D.H. Lawrence, like coming up with a million different synonyms for dicks. Like, I would have done it. Just let me know. I mean, same with Madame Bovary. It's just a hateful woman fucking around. Love it. Um, those are great blurbs for the front cover of those books. I know, I <laughs> right? How do you normally find your book recommendations? Well, I'm lucky enough to have a million writer friends. Um, so I read what they're reading. I read what they suggest. Um, oh, oh, another book that I have queued up that I'm really excited about is called Keep the Dead Close. Um, a friend recommended it to me. I have a lot, a, a lot of friends who are crime writers. Um, and so they're always recommending great books. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just kind of... I don't know. I just read whatever they're reading or try to read their books. Um, you know, oh, also my friend Kelsey McKinney has this book coming out this year. You want to talk about like ethical escapism. It's called God Save the Girls. And it's about the these two girls who are daughters of a megachurch pastor and scandal in the church ensues and it's about how they deal with it. And it's like it's being pulled into, you know, the hot world of Baptist Texas. And you're just you're so present in that world, but you're also dealing with, you know, like good and evil and redemption and 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 fathers and daughters and so it pulls you in but gives you uh, a lot to chew on so yeah I mean I'm so lucky that like I I never am without a book to read um, because somebody's always writing something or um, reading something and that's and then whenever I feel lost I go back to my comfort blankets that's what we've been doing as well Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So thinking about, you know, you mentioned religion. We recommended Godland in oh, good. Uh, Thank one you. Of our last episodes. And both Aaron and I now read Men Yell at Me religiously, which is wonderful. Oh, thank you. And, thank you. That's so nice. What do you think there's any particular books or authors that inspire your writing? I know you've talked a little bit about that, but any special touch points that you always return to? You know, I like to read different writers for different things. Um, so if I am struggling with something, um, I will pick up different writers um, and read and reread them. So, um, I mean, for example, I, I had the luck and honor of being edited by Gia Tolentino, who's an incredible writer. And I think that her work does this thing really well where it, it goes from scene to thought 
so seamlessly where you always feel grounded in an experience, but you're also, uh, you're also following a train of thought, if that makes sense. And so, um, whenever I struggle with those, uh, transitions, I, um, I, I pick up her work and just read it and reread it. Um, I, so, um, I also try to be funny in my writing and whenever I'm struggling with lines or quippy senses of humor, I have two collections of Dolly or of, I'm saying Dolly because I looked at my dog, but um, Molly, Molly Ivins and I pick up her work and I flip through it. I read it like the Bible. And um, so there's so many other writers. I mean, Taffy Ackner does structure very well. Yeah. And so whenever I'm trying to think about like, how am I going to structure this or how do I do, um, you know, how do I stack research on top of ideas on top of, I just, I like to go back to her. And also she does the transition between the story and the self so well. Um, I read Pamela Koloff, who's an incredible journalist, because she does this magic. It's this magical thing where you're reading her writing and it's very vivid and you're in a scene. And if you think about it, you're like, wait a minute, how does she know this? Like she's in the head of somebody describing a scene. So I go back to her work for that. And yeah, I guess it kind of just depends on what I'm working on, what I'm trying to accomplish. Um, And then that depends on who I read and who I reread. Well, what would you say is one of your most memorable fan interactions? And this could be, you know, maybe pre-pandemic if you had more opportunity to meet people or even now if there's been an email exchange or something. Let's do positive. Um, <laughs> I imagine you get a lot of negative considering the content you write about. I yeah. do. I do. And it's, um, it comes and goes in waves. Um, you know, I would say um, right now we're in a lull. That's not an invitation. Um, but <laughs> but um, I'm in a little bit of a lull. Uh, so, yes, it comes and goes in waves. Um, but I will say I, I find it when I put out guideline last year, um, a friend of a friend of a friend told me, um, books have a life of their own. And she's like, you know, so you launch a book, you don't know what's going to happen. And what is fascinating to me is the life that Godland has had um, that I never anticipated for it. So I think it's always memorable to me when I will get a email from somebody who's like, Hey, I picked up Godland at the library and um, you know, I'm leaving my marriage. I'm leaving my church. This is really, you know, just like has been so wonderful and interesting. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm so terrible because, you know, people are like, yeah, like, you know, I'm like, I'm dealing with these things you're dealing with, but it's also so cool, you know, to see, um, people interact. Um, I will say to another thing that's always memorable is, was that last year or was it 2018? I wrote an essay called now that I'm divorced, I'm never cooking for a man again, which is a little like tongue in cheek. 
of an essay. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I like, I love, I still get emails from women about that. And it is, they're always just the best emails. Um, I, I, I will say, okay, so memorable, memorable. I have um, a fan who is an 80 year old uh, Midwestern grandma and she sends me emails every like probably about once a month and has been for about a year and a half now. It, they're not always positive. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, I think that's great. I think it's incredible. I'm, I just, it's, it's, it's so, it's just, yeah, it's great. And I love hearing from people. Do you think there's a book that you think everyone should read? No, oh. uh, no, unequivocally. No, I, you know, I think it's, I think it is arrogant to pretend that every book is going to speak to every person. I don't think there is, you know, a universal human experience, uh, which is, you know, weird because like I'm a writer, so I write about human experience. But, um, you know, I think something that especially this year has been teaching me over and over is how really shattered we are as a world and as a society. And that, you know, for me to pretend like there's a, a story that would be meaningful to everyone when I don't know everyone's story is not something that I would do. Um, and that's actually, I think that's a very different answer than I would have given you last year at this time. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, the way that the pandemic has changed our reading, our, you know, consumption of things. And I, you know, also, again, to plug my book, uh, my friend Matthew Celestis's book, Craft in the Real World, which I still haven't read, but I know what he's writing about, you know, is just to hear him talk about writing workshops and writing advice um, and how it really... Uh, it really levels voices, especially of people of color, and it really levels experiences. It not just levels, erases like different ways of writing and different ways of approaching form and craft. And, you know, so that's really kind of made me think like how I think about story, how I think about structure, you know, if I find something interesting what is it might say more about me than it actually does about the book, yeah. you know? So I, I think that's something that I'm learning um, and exploring as I grow as a human being. So, yeah, for sure. One of the things that we talk about at the end of our episodes is uh, a current pop culture obsession we have, whether it's a podcast, music, TV, movie, is there something that you're obsessed with right now? Yes, it's uh, the heart of Dixie. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, okay, great, good. Okay, <laughs> so for people who don't know, it is a TV show with Rachel Bilson in it, <laughs> and she is a surgeon, and she goes, she's like a New York City surgeon, and then has to go back to this small town in Alabama, and um. And run her surprise. It's okay. You learn this in the first couple episodes. But run her her father's like old practice, general practice, 
and it's you know it's truly lifetime original big city girl in a small town but it has it's better than it has any right to be like that premise you would think is gonna be bullshit okay maybe it kind of is but it's also really fun and it's delightful and like there's so many people from friday night lights in it (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's just like oh where have they been oh here they are oh okay okay and it's just fun like it's not uh it's not even ethical escapism it's just escapism (laughs) there's a need for that too there's like a lot of hot men in it and you know i've been single for like most of pandemic so <laughs> it's like let it happen and if you need a cocktail drink to go along with it yes. may i recommend the yellow hammer which is a, a an alabama treat they drink it at tailgates um but it's like oh my god it's it's gonna get you fucked up it is like <laughs> rum and uh like all sorts of other things and then like pineapple juice and then grenadine and it's, mm-hmm. yeah so there you go a, a show and a cocktail a drink and a show that's my kind of recommendation oh, exactly right what we need yes Erin, it's always great to talk to another Iowa writer. It is. Yeah. It is. That was wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I, can we start with the dogs' names? Yeah. Dolly and Jolene. It was terrific. Um, we showed her our Dolly Parton mugs. Yes. Turned out it was Dolly's birthday. We didn't even know that. We didn't know. Which was bad on that's, our part. Yeah, we should have known us. that. Yeah, I that don't was even terrible. know why I was happy when yeah. I said that. Yeah. And yeah, just picturing her little dog in a little backpack made me really happy yeah it was started off nice moment (laughs) nice moment i like too that she you know she talks about this in godland and elsewhere that you know she was homeschooled for a good portion of her education so kind of gave a new spin on reading classics you know she didn't have to do a lot of that until high school Mm -hmm. and maybe because of that once she got to high school and realized one of the books she read she didn't like she had no bones about saying like this isn't good i don't like this which is that's amazing to already Mm -hmm. have that at that age Mm -hmm. and i like that you know she's kind of looked back now and made this goal of reading some classics she missed every year that's something i've thought about doing before too you know you do always Mm -hmm. feel like you're missing a few important pieces but it's kind of cool how she's set that goal and absolutely working towards it yeah um i really liked we mentioned this she coined the term ethical escapism we're gonna run with it i like that idea Especially with, you know, thrillers and other stuff during the pandemic. We, we've said mo- many times before, it shouldn't matter what genre. It shouldn't no. matter anything. There's no guilt about what you read. Mm-hmm. Whatever you read and whatever you enjoy, go for it. Yeah. Awesome. Yes. Enjoy yourself. Exactly. Treat yourself. If you like putting together puzzles, do it. Do it. If you like paint by numbers. Damn. Do it. Do it. If you like coloring stickers, do it. If you like Legos. Do, do it, it. <laughs> definitely on that one and that was one of her great recommendations yes. was the tv show heart of dixie and a cocktail to go with it which i looked up the recipe and i included the link in the show notes and holy shit there's a lot of alcohol in there wow. so no wonder she was saying you're gonna get effed up because you are you are it's just it's a guarantee and that's sometimes what you need it's <laughs> so to have a hand delivered is just justification so thank you Perfect. liz lens yeah for uh uh, a good watch and a way to get messed up. 
I didn't go in wanting that, but I'm glad I have it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guess what? We'll be back next Wednesday with our regular weekly themed episodes. In the meantime, you can head to our website, broadsandbooks.com, and check out all of our other bonus episodes with some amazing authors. So many great authors. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, our website, YouTube. We're everywhere. Everywhere. No, we're not hiding, as you've said before. We are not hiding. (laughs) That is not what we're up to. We are plain sight. Happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they are coming out of me, and... Talk to me. I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Cause their despair. Cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. Witch. Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor, the final evidence, the heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You, you, you hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not, that's just, it's just fact. (laughs) Because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D, woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.